0: W Media.
1: Welcome to Feminist Buzzkills Live, the podcast that has never had to surrender the contents of their freezer. To law enforcement. I'm Liz Winston. <laughs> and I'm Joe, joined by my co-host, Moji Alamo Hello. And Marie Khan. Hello, everyone. Coming up, we will
2: give you the latest updates on Lizelle Herrera, the Texan who was arrested because of her pregnancy outcome last week. Joining us with details of this case and what we can all do to support is Kathy Torres from the Frontera Fund one of the Texas activist organizations responsible for getting Lizelle assistance and help this weekend.
3: Plus, the hilarious Beth Stelling joins to talk about comedy, activism, and finally getting back to live shows. And who needs the wordle when you can get to
1: play Six Degrees of Abortion? Marie and Moji will choose a news story that seemingly has no relation to abortion, and I have six tries to make the connection. Lots of show. But before that, we need to catch up on some breaking news before we dive first into the other, the shallow end of the shit bath. I really don't know. You know, you plan a show and then something happens. And the something that happened before we taped was Kentucky. Boo, boo, boo. Here's the breakdown. Basically, the state of Kentucky has a trap law ban. And what that means is. They didn't do a straight up, we're banning all abortion in Kentucky. What they did was choose some things, and we'll go around the horn and say what those things are. But the biggest thing you need to know about why abortion is banned in Kentucky is that, A, the regulations that they set forth onto clinics were effective immediately. So they were forcing clinics to have death certificates for every abortion, personhood garbage, and forcing This burial and cremation situation, which is prohibitively expensive and also shouldn't have to happen. So, you want to know what though? Good on Kentucky for instead of saying, let's try to accommodate something that's bullshit, they're like, fuck it, injunction time,
3: we might have to close, but we're challenging it. The wild thing about the Kentucky ban is that they created all these ridiculous restrictions but they actually, the state of Kentucky doesn't even have the infrastructure and paperwork they need to enforce said restrictions. That doesn't stop the clinics from having to comply, but like, they're like, oh, we need all this information. We don't have the means to collect said information, which is wild. Yep.
2: And this, this legislation, it's horrific. But it, it included a provision, for example, that said a young person who needed an abortion, even if it was even if that pregnancy was caused by incest, their parent needed to provide written consent for it. That's not a requirement. The ACLU, the court systems have things set up already. And instead, like like you both just laid out, this is creating additional paperwork, surveillance structured paperwork, getting all this data and information, unnecessary things that federally and state level have already been legislated and determined are in place. And but they're just yep. gonna stack all these trap laws up.
3: But also, and like it's wild because they're like, oh, we need lots and lots of identifying information about the potential partner of the person who wants whoop. abortion. Like yep. where does that where does that factor in? I don't understand. Do you guys not understand what bodily autonomy is? It means that, that my partner's input is none of your fucking business,
1: yeah. you know, it, you know, also, I always like to say, you know what? Don't dump your shit in my lawn." and then come back to claim it if you don't want it. Like, it's in my lawn, nine-tenths of the law, it's mine, bye. Exactly. But also, there, you know, the Supreme Court case, one of the big ones in 2016 was one called Holowin's Health v. Hellerstedt, and that's the one that determined about and talked about these trap laws and said they're unconstitutional because they are simply undue burdens that are barriers to care. They don't make care safer or better. And getting a death certificate, forcing... uh, somebody who fucked you to have some kind of like weigh in on your pregnancy. None of that has to do with making abortion safer. Um, And so the injunction is good, but we'll see if whole women's health fee Hellerstead holds up because it held up based on the tenants of Roe. So everything is a house of cards. So that story broke. Good news is next week, we're going to be able to do a deep dive in it because joining us is Aaron Smith, the executive director of Kentucky health justice, which is the abortion funded practical support fund out of Kentucky that's gonna be uh, talking about how they're gonna be getting people care and what this law means and what they're doing. So excited about that.
2: That is gonna be wonderful, as I would say, let's get this circle jerk started. Yeah. What? <laughs> but we already have. <laughs> right? What BS has popped this week, Liz?
1: Ah, so much BS popping. I'm gonna give you an update on Fetus Gate. And if you're like, what the hell is fetus gate? Well, uh, basically uh, a person named Lauren Handy, who is basically the uh, Draco Malfoy of the anti-abortion Slytherins, somehow acquired 115 fetal remains from who knows where and has been storing them in their freezer and making videos with them in between passing them out to various other fetal pornographers who've also been making shocking videos. If you want details on fetus gate, go to the abortion AF TikTok, and the whole story is laid out. Except this part. The thief and the other eight cronies were busted by the FBI on federal trespassing charges called base violations, which were created in 1994 in response to bombings and invasions and specifically of abortion clinics in the U.S. So if you want to know the definition of a profoundly hideous person, It's one who claims moral high ground and then deflects attention from their terrorism charges by parading around boxes full of stolen fetuses. So I want to talk about the clinic violence because that has been swept under the rug uh, with this like shiny object called stolen fetuses. It's a mess.
3: (laughs) No, it totally is a mess, but it's funny because like I, I just feel whenever I like And we watch them sometimes as staff when we can like catch that they're doing them on Facebook because they stream them a lot. These These invasions. Violations, these invasions. But like, I imagine the terror of being a person who goes to a clinic or a hospital setting to have a medical procedure and then see a bunch of wackadoos sitting around singing or praying or telling you you're a murderer. And you're just like, "Uh, man, this is a Wendy's. Like, I'm just having a procedure. I don't wanna. I don't I don't need your prayer. If I want a prayer, I'd be at church. Right now I just need a medical procedure. And instead you are here chaining yourself to the building or like standing between me and the medical services that I came here for. It's terrifying. Yeah.
2: And Liz, you mentioned the you mentioned the FACE Act, the freedom of access to Clinic Entrance Act. This is federal legislation that in the early 90s and 94, a need, a need arose. Like, hey, there's this violence, there's this. These folks are terrorizing outside of clinics. And, like Moji said, those folks haven't gone away at all. Right. In fact, they're now more empowered. and there there's more clinics they're starting to target in progressive areas. and folks folks are starting to respond a little bit, I feel like.
1: yeah, they've done a lot of these invasions in states where they had friendly judges that would not characterize their behaviors that would fall within um, the face Act designation. And they foolishly went to washington, d c. to a clinic in twenty twenty. And uh, though after two years of investigating and building a case, they had it. Coincidentally, these fetus thieves are trying to accuse that same clinic that put them up on these federal charges of nefarious wrongdoings. And all law enforcement's like, yeah, no, bitch. The only people who've done anything wrong is you fetus dealers. So I want people to be really aware that um, these things are happening and to pay more, pay attention to the fact that uh, leadership in anti-abortion movement and people who have been leading the charge of the terrorism for the past 50 years have joined them. So we're going to stay on this story, but like, um, pay attention to that piece because I think it's a really big piece. And I want
3: before we move on, I also want to say that part of even why they're so emboldened is that the Trump administration decided that these were not things they were interested in in pursuing and so just to remind people that elections fucking matter and the people in power are also empowered to enforce what we do and we don't do. So like, vote.
1: <laughs> I mean, to say elections don't matter, it's like, just shut up. Like that is just too much, like, but yeah. Yeah, oh. but we have to move on. We have a lot of show. We gotta move on. Um, I guess, Moji, um, as we talked about Texas being, uh, you know, always, it's like perennial, um, Oklahoma decided to out Texas, Texas
3: this Listen week. Listen guys, Oklahoma <laughs> is not okay. Um, like, it's just not okay. It's like Republican legislators can like read the tea leaves and they're positively giddy. Right now is like the longest anti-abortion Christmas Eve ever and they are tripping over each other to institute the most unconstitutional abortion bans that they can ahead of mm, the constitutional right to abortion being stripped away from us potentially by the Supreme Court. Probably.
1: So, I'm waiting
3: on with probably. <laughs> But like this week, Oklahoma came in hot with a ban that criminalizes all abortions except to save the life of the pregnant person. And the penalties for people who provide abortions are fines, including up to $100,000 or 10 years in prison for doctors who provide care. And if this ban is not blocked, it will go into effect late August this year. And uh, if you can count on your fingers, that's three months from today. So this is particularly (laughs) devastating because Oklahoma has become a common destination for the people who are leaving Texas for abortion care. You know, Texas has this uh, six-week ban that we may have talked about once or twice. So potentially Oklahomans who need abortion care will have to travel out of state. And then Texans who have impossibly long trips will also have to go potentially longer to go. I don't know, Marie, where are they going? Moji, that's the question
2: that. Practical support orgs, abortion funds are trying to figure out. Kansas is one option for folks. Uh, Colorado as well. Folks are looking at the Midwest. But we're also operating in a system where people have months out have booked appointments. So as these options both dry up as clinics for folks to go to, not only is it, is it interrupting care, scheduled care folks have had, it's also now forcing the same number of people to go to fewer clinics. Okay. that are there. And And you're forcing people out of their state. Their state is no longer has said, hey, no, we're not responsible for this. Now these folks are going to other states and have to compete with people to get access to
3: clinics. And by people, you mean people in the states they go to, right? Like now Kansans will be like, well, shit, we used to have a two-week wait. Now we have a four-week wait. Yeah,
1: yeah. And Marie, like you know about this more profoundly than most because your job at Midwest Access Coalition is to trans help people get the transportation and 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 move them in all of the other practical ways that they may need to access care whether that's transportation housing um childcare all of that and so it's what scares me so much is knowing that oklahoma half of the abortions that have been performed in oklahoma since that radical law took effect in texas are from texans right and mm-hmm. so and so if half of the abortions in the state being performed are from texans Where are those Texans going to go? You know, it's a domino effect of people moving. Where are Texans going? And then where are Oklahomans going when the Texans take over the space? And so that is something that we need to be. I know that the practical support funds like Marie's at Midwest Access Coalition and other funds are really looking at how to manage that. But um, as we move forward and we talk about it, the one thing I want people to know is this ban is as unconstitutional as if Oklahoma were to say we're banning Catholicism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can no longer yep. go to a Catholic church. That's how unconstitutional this ban is. And now these clowns are just passing laws, um, just waiting for the fall of Roe to see if there's any barometer or or right to abortion at all. And it's pretty Fucking scary. Oh,
3: absolutely. Because this is just the tip of the iceberg for Oklahoma. Oklahoma is essentially, this is the one that was passed this week, but they're throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. They have yeah. other bands in the works, and they're like, we don't know exactly what the Supreme Court is going to rule on Dobbs, but we want to be prepared for all potential outcomes.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, so our third big story of the week before we get to the biggest story of the week, um is Dare I say, Marie is going to tease us with some hope.
2: (gasps) Well, unclear. The jury is still out. I am, however, I'm clinging to a bright spot in those last week of news. So Idaho decided to say, fuck your uterus. And they did the thing other states have been working toward. They actually enacted Texas-style legislation. So this includes a six-week abortion ban. Um, a bounty limit of not 10K, what what Texas settled on, but 20K against those assisting with an abortion. And it even allows the immediate family of, oh, say a rapist to seek damages over an abortion. They're victims abortions or just any abortion. The jury is still out on that, Moji. You know, <laughs> my guess is
1: if you're a rapist and you're aggrieved by abortion, if anybody can sue anybody yeah. for assisting an abortion, that includes a rapist. Fair. Yep. Yes. So naturally, so you're asking
2: where, where's the hope? Where's the bright spot in this? So entities- Please get to the good news. (laughs) What the fuck? The good news is last week, there was a Hail Mary. Entities getting together, including Planned Parenthood, immediately sued. And in a really happy surprise, the Idaho Supreme Court said, oh, hey, we actually also do have concerns on the constitutionality of it all. So they have temporarily blocked this garbage, thankfully. Wow.
1: for now. That is good news. And so it's probably just going to go away, right? They've blocked it. Everybody's like, Oh, okay. We tried fail. No, no,
2: this, this court is looking at the bigger court, the court of Amy Coney Barrett, you know, for guidance on this, on this issue, which again, this isn't a state Idaho is in a state with a ton of clinics. Anyway, they had three, all were planned parenthoods. They went to 15, six overall. This isn't, this isn't a state, you know, 15, with, six are weeks, right? 15 yep, weeks, and 15 six, weeks days. six days. So many, yeah. many folks still already are leaving Idaho, have been leading Idaho, going to Oregon and Washington to access abortion care. And you know what? Idaho, the Idaho legislation tried last week to say, no, we're, we're going to make everybody leave. Basically tried to do what Kentucky did. And I don't know. We have to sit and wait and see so much is riding on the
3: Supreme court right now. You guys so much. Yeah, it's really terrifying. And even what we're seeing is basically an effect of like the Supreme Court sitting and deciding on whatever they're going to decide on that we think we know they're going to decide on.
1: But also, um, you know, if people would just shut up like why can't the you know, if things are going back to the states, then why can't the you know, they should we should elect state supreme court justices and then okay. they sit on the court and then you can't go to the federal system. And that's how it goes. I'm not saying these are good ideas, but I'm just saying, if you want to play this game and um, Marie, didn't the Catholic church have have feelings about this too? (laughs) Oh my God. Yes, Liz.
2: They, so (laughs) they are so riled up specifically the Roman Catholic church of Idaho, which has their own branch, obviously they, and they requested, they asked if they could intervene in the lawsuit. Um, and this is a move that like literally if you could piss holy water on the line, that is the separation of church and state of uh, that's what these dudes are doing. And the Idaho Supreme court went back to them also this week and said, no, and they, they didn't give any info. They're just like, no, nope, your request to intervene is declined. So. <laughs> you
1: know, oh. that's hilarious to me, but I just, but we have to go, but I do have to tell this anecdote because it's crazy. So in my early comedy career, a lot of times when you're building and trying to make money when you're young, you do a series of one nighters and they're terrible. You don't get to do the improv in L.A. So I did a series of one nighters that was like Billings, Montana, Grand Forks, North Dakota, ended up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. For those of you that don't know Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, it is, I believe, the home of the American Nazi party. And this guy named Tom Metzger like, is from there. I'm doing a comedy show in Coeur d'Alene. And a guy I'm telling my jokes and this guy interrupts me. He goes, Hey, are you a Jew? And I go, um, no, I'm Catholic. And he's like, same thing. So I'm just trying to figure out how much weight the Catholic church in Idaho has. If they're just trying to demonize everything, it was like too much. So Idaho you're a mess, but thank God your Supreme court has some kind of like understanding of constitutional law. Um, which brings us to our first guest who um, uh, is going to fill us in on the biggest story of the week, the arrest of someone's, uh, pregnant uh, out of Texas of a person's pregnancy outcome.
2: Yes, the case of Lizelle Herrera, the Texan that was arrested after confiding literally something about abortion to a healthcare provider has shown us yet again, the criminalizing of pregnancy outcomes is a reality in the US. So joining us to break this down, what we know about how this happened to Lizelle and what is ahead is the organizing manager and board member of Frontera Fund, Kathy Torres. It was the organizing of Frontera Fund and South Texans for Reproductive Justice, the Latina Institute of Texas and other orgs that raised the awareness and secured Lizelle's release and got her charges dropped. So we're so excited to welcome Kathy Torres. Hey, Kathy. Before you get to Lizelle's case, Kathy, we were hoping that you could tell folks a little bit about the Frontera Fund, your work and who you serve broadly. Right, yeah, so uh, I'm Kathy,
0: the organizing manager and um, we um, are an abortion fund in the Rio Grande Valley on the Southern border tip of Texas. We help people pay for their abortions and we also provide practical support, which means we help pay for travel, lodging, and any of those expenses when seeking abortion care. Um, right now, we uh, are based and serve the Rio Grande Valley, but we expanded to serve the entire border of Texas. So um, anyone from Brownsville, where we're located, all the way to El Paso on the western tip is who we serve. Um, as you can imagine, we've been totally, totally, totally doing mainly practical support as every mm-hmm. single caller who's reached our line has had to leave the state.
1: Yep. Kathy, can you just lay out for folks, what is the mileage? When you say we cover the southern border, what is that for people?
0: Yeah, so in Texas, we speak in hours because we're so huge. (laughs) So from, I can't give you the mileage, but from the valley where I'm at to El Paso, that's a 12-hour drive. Yikes. So
3: 12
0: hours of land is what we cover. All you drive 12
3: hours in New York and you're out of the state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're in no, Canada, no. like <laughs> you're North of Montreal,
2: like, wow.
1: You're in Chicago. <laughs> just, just to give people an idea from New York to Chicago, that's about wow. 12 hours, Kathy. Wow. And with one clinic in the entire valley, is that still the case?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We still only have Whole Woman's Health and McAllen. Um, that's the only one serving all four counties, all 1.3 million people just in the valley. I mean, you know, people from other rural parts of Texas travel down here if they haven't hit the limit. Um, so yeah, we're the only ones down here. Well, the only clinic, we only have one clinic down here.
3: Um, okay. Let's jump into the meat of this. Can you lay out the timeline of Lizelle Herrera's arrest and how you and Frontera fit into that timeline?
0: yeah so it was friday april 8th which was also my birthday have to say oh, that happy um party. yeah thanks i uh actually got a dm on twitter from a friend uh with the breaking article about um Lizelle's case and it was just flat out stating that she was uh Put into jail with a $500,000 bond and being charged with murder, um, you know, of an individual, it says. And it was said that it was due to a self uh, induced abortion. And that just the immediate feeling I had was just like ill, just sick to my stomach. So I got that, you know, saved that, copied that article link and sent it to our director and our board where we just like sprung into action, gotten a call within. 10 minutes i was cleaning my house because my friend was coming down for my birthday so i had like a broom on the couch um dishes in the sink just like literally like stopped what i was doing and we hopped on that call and we're like all right we need to get to Stark county jail no later than tomorrow morning like we need the world to know what the fuck is happening we need to like you know break you know really 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 raise awareness on what is happening and um you know, mobilizing everyone. So I connected with um, our partners first and foremost. It's not just our doing. We collaborated with South Texans Reproductive Justice and the National Latina Institute for Reproductive Justice. There are other really, really great uh, reproductive justice orgs down here. We got together. I got them, you know, in the loop and we all collaborated and ensured uh, that we reach all of our socials and got people to Star County Jail if they were able. We understood that it was a super short turnaround, like literally had we were asking people to get somewhere in like 12 hours or less or yeah. So we also put out a call to action on our socials that uh, we're urging people to call Star County Jail and uh, demand the release, uh, immediate release of Lizelle Herrera. Um, And just explaining that nobody should be criminalized based off of pregnancy outcomes. It just doesn't make any sense, any humanly possible sense. Um, And it worked. We were able to, well, we showed out at Star County Jail. We uh, made sure that we were there in support of Lozell and letting people know that this did happen. It can happen to anybody. It happened here. No surprise that it happened first in the Valley, but it did. Um, and people immediately felt some type of way about that. I mean, we're seeing so many people come out of the woodwork that normally maybe don't have an opinion on abortion or haven't really, you know, maybe are still in that area of like, yeah, I'm pro-choice and that's it. Uh, so it was, it really got people's eyes open that this could happen to them, to anybody. Um, We disabled the Stark County jail phone number and swiftly moved to um, pressuring the DA. Because at this point, Lizelle was still in custody. Um, So we called the DA's office, got everyone who had a phone and could make a call to call the DA's office. That number got disabled, emailed him. His email got disabled. Like we just really, really tore into that person. Um, eventually, due, uh, thanks, thanks to if when how they have a uh defense fund and they were able to assist with Lizelle's bail. So she was out on bail. And 24 hours later, her charges were dismissed. That's, um it that's was incredible. Such a relief. I was on my way to brunch. When that happened, so I was like, "I'm going to take in this mimosa," when I got there. But um, yeah, quite a weekend, and it was just um, you know, some it, we take in those small ones, as yeah, as y'all can imagine.
3: This sounds like a lot, but just to be clear, she was not charged in any violation of um of SB eight, this new Texas bounty hunter law, at all, right? So how was she charged with murder?
0: you know, that's what we want to know. Uh, honestly, like there's so much still um, unfolding. You know, we, we've we also been very, very cognizant and of Lizelle and her piece and her just sort of taking some time with her family. We can only imagine, you know, how traumatic that experience was. Um, but yeah, we don't know because, I mean, we're pretty familiar with SB and SB4. We're a literal abortion fund in Texas. And I mean, everywhere in that, this they specifically state and that side of the of abortion, those people um, also are always big on like making sure the pregnant person's not criminalized and making sure that they're not criminalized for their abortion when this that, that is exactly what happened here. And SB8 and SB4 are civil law, you know, it's a civil case if anything right. were to happen. So it, it it just came out of nowhere it's just the very fact that it happened. And so freely, like we need to know who was the prosecutor that allowed this, who was the judge that allowed this and convinced the the jury, the legal stuff. I'm no attorney, you know, but we need, there's so many questions that are unanswered and we are doing what we can to get those answers and to make sure this doesn't happen to anybody else.
2: I I really like Kathy that you mentioned the other harm that's been done here and you laid like to Lizelle in particular, but like at large, like just because the DA dismisses a charge doesn't mean that now all of a sudden that, that we can ignore the fact that this intense scrutiny on pregnant folks is continuing and it's leading to their criminalization and folks, folks are continue to watch their pregnancy outcomes, especially people of color Lizelle went to the ER to get help. And I can only imagine like you're presenting, you're going there for medical assistance, the, the need she might've had. And instead, oh, the response is you're arrested, taken to jail, assessed at bail at half a million. Like if there could be a, what's a better example of like racism and inequity in healthcare that, and her picture now that's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm wondering what effects does her arrest have on folks that are now seeking abortion care? Those folks that are coming to you, coming to your fund for that practical support, for that assistance.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I can only imagine what those feelings will be and are. I mean, I uh, we th- we haven't heard any changes, you know. Even even though we've been doing all of this, we're still funding abortions, right? So, um, you know, ha- questions have not been asked yet. Yet, mm-hmm. I say, because you know, you know, people see us as a resource and do ask us questions yeah. whenever. That, that arises, uh, it hasn't happened yet, but being from the Valley, being people of color, you know, having to be people who can get pregnant, who are of color, um, mm-hmm. there is always that fear regardless, you know, because we live in such a hyper-militarized area here on the border and mm-hmm. we're not white, there's always that concern of, can I be arrested and purposely, you know, laws like SB eight and SB four were written to be confusing, to where as as soon as we heard about this happening over the weekend, people thought, "Oh, SB 8 When it's like we were able to understand that it wasn't or it shouldn't have been because we were we navigate that law, but yeah. you know, to your average person, you know, they purposely make it confusing, and so, now that
2: that average person. Like what? What advice can you give to that person who's going to need care after a self-managed abortion, after misca- miscarriage management, and how? How can you? How can what, what kind of support does Rio Grande, does the fund have, for healthcare for um, to to provide the care and this information for folks who are being who are treating this way and want this info.
0: Right, right. So, I mean, self-managed abortion is still completely safe and something uh, that is possible should someone have, you know, that resource. And, you know, we're able, there are resources out there that we can share. Say someone were to ask, reach out with assistance and something's going on first and foremost, you know, um, yeah. share the resource that we can. What's going to make that harder is now the fear of disclosing anything at the hospital because look at what happened. Right, uh, but we're what can right.
2: Say what should someone say to a medical provider? Like what? Right. What-, what we what we what
0: we do know and what is has always been the conversation around self managing an abortion is if you feel that you do need medical attention, just tell them you're having a miscarriage. You know, um that's what it is. That's what's happening. um And and it's that's valid, right? So that's- there, it's so it's going to be so hard. I will say to you know, let people know that they should be able to talk to their medical providers uh, in a way that isn't assuming, because even for ourselves, we just think back at what happened over the weekend. Um, so I guess it's just how you communicate these resources with people who will reach out to you. And that, that's, just, that's not just for us. You know, before I was involved with abortion funding because I was... Um, you know, really passionate about this type of work, people would come to me asking questions. And if you're in the movement and you're listening or watching, I'm sure you've had someone approach you as well. You know, just share resources that you trust and that you've received in the past about self-managed abortion and how to have that conversation. And um, just be careful with what you share with medical providers um, because of this scary, you know, pipeline that the Texas legislature and specifically people like Governor Abbott in Texas have created.
3: Um, You're listening to Feminist Buzzkills Live. I'm Moji Alabodale, and we are talking to Kathy Torres from Frontera Fund, which serves patients in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. Kathy, people have been reading about the chilling effect that the Texas um, six week ban and bounty hunting law have has had on abortion access in Texas. But in South Texas, access has been scarce for quite quite some time. Can you explain, I mean, you said something about sort of the, the hours, but can you explain the landscape of abortion access in the Rio Grande Valley and how Frontera Fund's work has changed in light of this, li- this law going into effect?
0: Definitely, yeah. So um, uh, the Rio Grande Valley is on the, if you look at the map of Texas, we're on the very, very, very southern tip, the very bottom, um, bordering with Mexico. And um, what's very significant is where where we're at geographically in the state. We are the furthest point from any other bordering state since we're way down uh, south. Um, abortion access specifically here in the valley. We only have one clinic. We have Whole Woman's Health in McAllen to serve 1.3 million people. Um, and to put it into broader on uh, in a broader view. The McAllen Whole Woman's Health is the only clinic between San Antonio, Texas, which is four hours south, and Mexico City, which is eight hours, I mean, four hours north, and Mexico City, which is eight hours south. Um, so we're the only one really covering this entire area clinic-wise. Um, one thing that people aren't too familiar with is... Uh, at the port of entry between Mexico and the us, where you can you know quite literally cross into Mexico into the u s, vice versa. a hundred miles north of that, across the entire border of of Texas, there are what's called u s. customs patrol border, uh, patrol border patrol um, checkpoints, where if you are traveling north of any uh, main highway from the valley and there's twenty across the state of Texas four specifically down here. Um, You are met at this checkpoint that looks exactly like a border crossing and Customs Border Patrol agents have you rolled down your window and you're asked whether you're a U.S. citizen or not. Um, So, you know, naturally you say yes. Uh, If they believe you, they'll let you pass. But they also have any reason that they want to detain you, Um, especially with how lax Governor Abbott has uh, created an environment for those people. Like things like Operation Lone Star, allowing DPS to basically service customs and so on and so forth. So, if um, they don't believe you, you can be detained. If you say no, you can be detained. And if they ask for documents and you don't have those very documents, you can be detained. If you're not a citizen, you can be deported. So, I share that in depth and I explain that because here on the Valley, also, uh, there are a lot of people who are undocumented or are immigrants generally and if they are pregnant and don't want to be they attempt to have an abortion in McAllen and they're past the limit they're going to have to leave the state they're going to have to pass the checkpoint and they can't necessarily cross into Mexico because they're undocumented and that can put them in jeopardy so that is a huge discussion that we have for a lot of people because that is a whole demographic of individuals who are just further disenfranchised because the legislature was just trying to fuel, uh, some anti-choice agenda.
1: You know, Kathy, it's so incredible to hear about your work. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of folks don't understand that 10% of, uh, people of reproductive age are in Texas, 10%. And that's a huge amount of people. And, um, We're going to have to wrap up, but um, I just wanted to ask you, how many folks are working at your fund and helping facilitate this? Because we wanted to rain money on you fucking people because you're doing such a good job. So let people know how big your org is. And then we're going to give all of the bells and whistles to tell people where they can go donate.
0: Yeah so we currently are two staffs people.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah we're two staff and then we are let me count. four board. Yes. No. Now five board. Uh yeah so less than 10 people um is who is 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 running front of the fund right
3: now. And <laughs> Fully I accessible mean- to like a like a, two people in a will can just get a lot done.
1: But it's so true. And I want to say, too, and we're going to mention all of the orgs, Kathy, um, at the end of the show who are in coalition, because I know how tight you all are, and I know how important it is to talk about South Texas for Justice and the Latina Institute and Frontera Fund, because you guys work in coalition. And um, I just want to say, you are terrific. Thank you so much for all the work you do. Uh, If you want to support Frontera Fund's work, go! and donate at fronterafundgv.org slash donate. Donations for Lizelle Herrera is bit.ly slash Lizelle. Kathy, anything we can do, anytime, we'll be driving people to you. Um, Again, thank you, thank you, thank you for being on top of this. And thank you to all the orgs in South Texas who are doing the Lord's work, dare I say.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much. Again, thank you so much, Kathy. Coming up, comedian Beth Stelling joins us to talk about not giving a fuck when it comes to talking about controversial topics on stage. But first, we are going to play Six Degrees of Abortion. This is a game where Moji and I pick a big story from the news this week, and Liz has six guesses to
3: tie it to abortion. All right,
1: let's see what you
3: can do. Can you stop your boo? This week, when looking into pop culture news that matters, we discovered that Mary J. Blige is slated to receive the Icon Award at the 2022 Billboard Music Awards. Mary J. Blige, icon, legend, moment. And we just wondered if you could, having not done this for almost a year, link Mary J. Blige to abortion. Let's go well let me see um
1: i'm gonna say i can and here is how i am gonna make it work for you and you're gonna be like wait a minute can i do this can i make it happen um i have one avenue with which i think i can go um I don't think that's an avenue that's gonna work. All right, so I can tie with the Billboard Awards, but does it have to be straight up Mary J. Blige to abortion? Yep. Or Mary. So what does the Billboard Awards have to do with anything? You guys gave me a whole plethora of information.
3: We did, and we make that error sometimes. We so you a I think
1: that you just gave me a loophole.
3: Yeah, you know. They you know
1: what? It can't just be Mary J. Blige tired to abortion. Mary J. Blige Billboard Awards. So another uh, group of female artists have also won Billboard Awards. And that group is the Go-Go's. And it turns out Kathy Valentine, guitarist bass player in the Go-Go's, has participated in several abortion access front events and has talked about her not one but two abortions in her book. And on a former podcast I've done. So Mary J. Blige, Billboard, go Go's abortion. Did I get it? I think I did.
3: I think you got it, you got it. And Kathy is Bill- an official AAF uh, uh, member. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you did. I was gonna see if I could type, I'm sure there's a Mary J. Blige, Chuck D connection. And I just didn't know if there mm-hmm. was one for sure. I was, that was like one of my avenues, like did Chuck ever do something with Mary J. Blige? Did I- know about for sure and i just um, want to
3: say we tried to softball it because you may have been rusty but it's gonna get harder
1: oh i
3: see so this
1: this is a rooting against me sport all right fine fine all right Let's move on, let's move on, let's move on. Do I get a congratulations?
3: You get, you get this one for sure. You absolutely okay. get it, yeah. All right, great, all right. <laughs> okay, so before we grab Beth Stelling, we couldn't bring to you today's episode of FBK Live without our wonderful sponsor, Fresh Hell. We all come home late on a weeknight and we don't have the energy to face the newest onslaught of terrible news that awaits us in our news feeds. And that is why I get it delivered fresh to my door with Fresh Hell, the first ordeal kit delivery service. <laughs> this week, I got a Texas-style abortion restriction and a white supremacist sauce and a bodily autonomy reduction. Mwah! Mwah! And I didn't even have to leave the house. Get Fresh Hell delivered to your doorstep. Head to www.whatfreshhellisthis.com and get $6.66 off your first 3 boxes by entering our promo code feminist buzz kill me now. You can also sign up for Abortion Access Front newsletter and get a more fun version of this sent to your inbox for free.
1: I like that <laughs> we would have a fake sponsor that is um bringing you more shit to your house and you you're actually paying for oppression. Uh and it's delivered fresh to your house. Uh, Hilarious! Oh my god, that's so funny.
3: Our next guest is a comedian, writer, and AF stand, and you can see her special, "Girl Daddy," on HBO Max. It's Beth Stelling. I'm so happy to see you. I I love seeing you. Thanks for having me back. I think I
1: that- love seeing you, and I'm so glad you're back.
3: And we're just thrilled and delighted, my friend. Oh my god, Beth! I love your comedy because it's kind of crunchy and definitely sexual but clearly not for the male gaze. They're like <laughs> a lot of sex jokes for women and they're like not even for the men who get it. <laughs> so like as you refine your comedic voice, is it hard to get to that sweet spot and do you find you have to um like edit a lot to stay there or do you just like go there and that's where you live?
4: Yeah, you know, like I think I just when I first started stand up especially as a 22-year-old, I had all these rules for myself and one of them included like not talking about sex because basically we have these Uh, stereotypes about, uh, you know, female identifying comics saying we only talk about sex and uh, we're not funny. Um, So I was like, well, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to be, I'm going to be feminist by not talking about it and proving that women are funny by just doing that. And then after, I don't even know what it would have been like 10 years in, I was like, screw it. I'll talk about whatever I want until you get better at it. Then I won't have to talk about it. But like, You know what I mean? Like I'm going to have to talk about it and also I'll make it my own. And um, so, yeah, I guess the, you know, the interesting thing is you bring up like, you know, who it's for. And it's like, I just did a bunch of shows in Austin, Texas, and there were just massive amounts of bros. Oh. And I'm yeah. like, I am happy they're there. I mean, they're laughing, they're listening. <laughs> um, I, I I also left, where was it? Oh, <sighs> It was either, no, I think it was uh, Madison, Wisconsin. A guy walked out of my show. He goes, he goes, thanks for putting us in our place. I was like, happy to do it.
1: (laughs) I'm here to serve. (laughs) Yeah, you
4: too. So like, you know, I am happy like with who is coming out to see me, who hears it. Like, that's like the greatest joy, I guess, of all of it. But anyway, I have, I meant to say, to answer your question more, I have fully leaned in. It was uncomfortable for me at first. I was dealing with a lot of shame. I would guess around 2017, 2018, after I did, a half hour on Netflix where I have, I have an abortion joke in there, but that was before I'd ever had an abortion. So it's like, I always was pro choice, like, and wanting to support that, but it changes in a different way after you've experienced it. But yeah. like, I also was leaning into the sex and the ranch because of, like I said, and I just had to like, I really had to trudge through it. Cause I remember my first back, you know, whenever you're rebuilding anything new, it stinks. It's, It's starting over. is really hard. You know, you break up, you have to get back out there. Like, it's like, I don't know if I remember how to do this. You're not confident because you're not like ready to record a special. Duh. You're trying to, people are watching you practice basically and kind of paying to see you. So, and I'm deciding to talk about sex again. It's not that I never had a sex joke, but I'm like, I'm talking about all of it. Like buckle up because I'm about to school your ass. (laughs) Like, I need you to listen. I need you to learn about cunnilingus badly. You know, yeah. sort of like, you just get sick of it. Like after a while, you're just like, of course I'm gonna talk about whatever I want. I'm not gonna let the topics that like make people uncomfortable or that they say make them uncomfortable, stop me from talking about them. Cause it's just obviously another way to silence us, make us feel shame and keep it all in the dark. It's like, no. I'm going to, and I have people like you guys and Liz to thank for like giving me the confidence and space, support, encouragement to, to like dispel the stigma and like root out the shame and challenge messaging. Cause you can supportive of it. Like I was in 2017 and then go through it and you're not immune to the messaging you've received. Like, and also obviously your hormones are going crazy, but it's like. You know, you can still feel all those feelings and 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 uh, and walk through it. And and I have a totally new perspective, which I'm I'm thankful for because I can now be like a lighthouse for for other um, people who've had abortions, just like Liz has been for me. And they tell me, and in, in after shows, you know, I uh, I did a show in Indianapolis, and a girl came up to buy a hat when I was selling my girl daddy hats, like for my last special on HBO Max. And she had like a shit ton of cash. And she was like, I'm buying, she's like, well, this is the money that the guy contributed for my abortion, but I'm going to buy a hat with part of it so I can wear it on Monday.
1: Oh my God, I love it. Well, and you know, it's so interesting, Beth, that you talk about that because every comedian that I know, female presenting, or if you're just not a cis white guy, you have been told that your experience will be alienating and i remember when somebody said to me don't talk about sex don't talk about things that are generally uh from a woman's perspective and i was like you're telling me not to set on stage because i don't have another perspective i did not live another life in another skin in another body yeah. and so what you're telling me is i don't have value and the second that i heard that i was like fuck you like yeah. i was just like if you're going to judge me anyway just by asking for permission to be amplified on a stage and have opinions, yeah. I'm not gonna have them be yours. Of course. Like, no. <laughs> he wouldn't Speak to it anyway. But whenever someone who is like what you mentioned,
4: um like a like a cis male walks out and set, he's granted individuality immediately. The audience doesn't even have yes. to say about it. And then when we walk out, we're representing an entire gender typically, whether you wanted to or not. And obviously that stinks, but so funny to tell us not to talk about sex and yet that's what we're taught is our worth. And simultaneously, yes. it's like, oh, so don't talk about what you've told me is my worth. <laughs> don't 100%. Talk about that, that little thing in my life. So it's just like maybe you guys can help me understand it because I've actually been battling with this lately, because I've been dealing with some interesting issues in my personal life where I'm really trying to crack it in my head, which is like, okay, so don't talk about sex, which you've been, which I've been taught is my worth but like how else, but then when I do do it, I am shamed for it. So then when I, so I can't talk about it. And if I do do it, like, it's just the, I don't know what your opinion on it is it, but it's sort of like, am I taking my power back? Like, it's just like really actually messing with my head.
1: Well, I have to tell you that, um, like this is sort of, I'm just chucking the question I was gonna ask cause you kind of covered it anyway about abortion. But um, when the Chappelle thing, I mean, when the, um, Chris Rock and Slap happened. Mm-hmm. I was brought back to, I've had several occasions where men have been removed from my shows. Um, and twice they stayed in the parking lot and I had to be escorted home because they they were going to harm me. It was obvious. Um, and it was when I, and the material wasn't talking about their wives or them. The material was, challenging, uh, or personal, it was challenging sexuality, challenging how men were bad at sex or how I had had like fucked up relationships with men having sex. So they don't know how to do it. And for me, I felt the rage was you are revealing something to this person sitting next to me who thought I was awesome. And now they might rethink it. So I either have to step up or you have found me out and I need to destroy you. And maybe that's going too deep in, but that is really how I felt. Yeah.
4: I know, I'm just, it's, I think that is a good point to bring up. Some people are so willing to take the note and other people are really offended by it. You know, like, well, no, I am doing everything right. I think when you go through life, like it kind of reminds you of, of typically, it's often a male who will comment, women aren't funny, or I don't like this. Or it's like, "Oh, that's so interesting that you think, and of course you do. That everything's for you, like we're yes. we're used to picking through stuff, like or walking through a thing. Well, oh, that's not for me. I can't go there. That doesn't look good. That's not safe. And they're just like, it's like yes. I don't like that. And I, you're terrible. And that's funny. It's like, but what if it's not for you? Like everything is not for you, but you go right. through the world like it is. So it's sort of just like, you don't have to tell us. We don't. <laughs> yeah. Have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't you can just leave. leave. I know.
1: It's why there's multiplexes. Yeah. You know, it's why there's uh, several movies that you can go to (laughs) and it's just like life. And it's just (laughs) like all of it. Life is a multiplex.
4: Yeah. But it is so hard for me to like, yeah, that, but that is, everything we're saying is basically like, yeah, why I did have like worry, fear, shame, even just talking about more, like really going in on sex stuff and like the raunch or dealing with the nitty gritty of it. And you know, it's sort of like, everybody's like, it's just a joke, but it's like, okay, until it's about you and then you can't take it.
1: Mm -hmm. But always,
4: you know, like, I don't know. I have so many opinions on all of this, but typically, you know, you can joke about anything. And it's like, yeah, I guess if you're unscathed by the world, you can joke about anything. If nothing's personally affected you, then it's not going to make you feel anything. And I think too, the perspective matters so deeply. And that's not what they're considering. It's like, mm-hmm. are you writing a rape joke from the per- perspective of a rapist?
2: <laughs> and why
4: would I, you be doing that? Like, yeah, not that I have no sense of humor, uh, but it seems as though you're writing from the mind of a criminal. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, maybe you should rethink that in your perspective and why you're saying it that way,
1: you know? Also, I feel like that might be the origin of the phrase "punch down. like you're literally (laughs) punching down
2: yeah Marie yes I'm just I know I'm just thinking about all of that like yeah why why is that the default funny why well yeah why is the the protagonist the rapist in that joke line right It, it and Beth, you not only, I want, it, I want our listeners to recognize too, that not only do you do abortion jokes, do you do like, do you approach jokes like how a rape joke should be approached? You do that as well. You've also hung out with us on the AAF tour. Like you've literally chilled around the campfire. And I wanted you to talk a little bit about why physically showing up is important to you and what you're planning to do when we all have to report for our post row active duty, what you think that <laughs> might look like. I'm there.
4: First of all, Um, I'm on a flight. I'll be there. I mean, I guess uh, simple answer is community. You know, obviously we've been uh, apart from each other for for health reasons, safety reasons, but it is um, important to physically put yourself in a space like that and be around other people and um, yeah, like physically support each other in in person and and uh, and see it because I think too just online can feel really um like you're floundering and drowning in all the mess of it so if we can physically show up for each other be there in person and um that makes a huge difference i don't know you just feel the experience more it makes it tangible i i re- i am answering that very <laughs> i don't know how to put it simply but um yes i think that it's important to actually show up because you'll also just sort of remember that experience better it's like email versus snail mail
1: yeah you got You know, for me, I was told forever that if I told my abortion story that bad things would happen to my career and I needed to be quiet about it. And I guess I just test ballooned it and nothing blew up. And I think talk to me a little bit about um, when you talk about it, when you tell your story, um, how that really also just makes a difference in in ways that you maybe didn't really even understand.
4: Yeah. I mean, like hearing you say what you just said, it's just uh, clear to me that your stakes in it and your risk uh, benefits me. So thank you because like, I wasn't scared about my career, but you were, and that's like progress, which is great. I was probably still scared about like shame and things like that. But the more I talked about it, the more it normalizes it. And Allowing women to hear that and talk to me after a show, I see the difference it makes. I just again in Austin, a woman came up to me because um I don't I talk about abortion in my last special, but now in this next one, the hour I'm working on, I do personalize it to have to say that I that I basically I say I was pregnant once, but I caught it early. Yeah. Uh and I talk about I
1: love a good abortion joke. My my favorite, (laughs) my, my, my uh my go-to is I chose not to have kids a couple of times. <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah. I love that. And I think, you know, a woman in Austin came up to me afterwards and she said, Hey, I watched your last special. And I just wanted to say thank you because I had to get up from a portion. It's actually, it. I was like, yeah, we are in Texas. And she said, uh, you know, watching your special with my boyfriend really helped us uh, sort of find the humor in it and, and also be able to talk about it. So thank you. Um, and I, and I think it's like that, that's the type of stuff and and she, that's just one physical person saying it to me. So there's gotta be more out there, but I really want, and I'm, and like, I mentioned what you are to me, I have become for other, um, colleagues. I've, I've gotten several texts since that last special came out, like, Hey, I have to do this. I'm really scared. What do you recommend? And I'm feeling really bad about it. And and I just say, this is normal. You're not the only one who's done it. Uh, the, you know, it goes back to the stuff of what we keep in the dark because they want us to feel like we're alone. So if yes, you keep quiet, it's the only one that did it, and you're the bad one. It's like no, ev- everybody is doing it.
3: <laughs> uh, Everyone's you, doing it. You should be
4: allowed, and it is your right to choose. And one of the things I love from AAF is like we're not flower pots. You know, we don't have to grow anything in our bodies. That's right there. Um. So yeah, I did. I, I think I kind of answered that. And, and this I think you definitely
1: you did. Said, I'm able to and talk. It's a big difference, Beth. And I just, it's so like what saying it, doing it, participating in it. Like, thank you.
4: Yes. Thank you. I mean, and I have to remember too, just so people out there know, like, I did, I was scared. I did feel shame. Like, it's not that this was easy for me. The first time I did start talking about on stage, I was scared for my safety. Like, so I wasn't scared about my career or anything, but I did feel the fear of the first time talking about it. And now that I've been doing it now for, the last couple of months or I don't even know since we started performing again, it gets easier every time. And I have no problem saying it. And I'm almost shocked if they are shocked, you know? So it's sort of like, um, by being casual about it, um, it's able to, to normalize it. So people feel safe making that decision for themselves. And I just, you know, yeah. I, I, the other thing is like, I, I talk about Planned Parenthood in the sense, cause that is who I, who I use yeah. and just say, I, um, You know, I went there to jumpstart a late period. And then I did a table read that day and a Comedy Central taping the next. So we really can't have it all. We can.
1: Amazing.
2: Beth, thank you so much for joining us. We want to remind folks that you can check out Beth Stelling's comedy special Girl Daddy on HBO Max, where you can also find her tour dates, bethstelling.com. Thank you, darling. Thank you so
4: much for having me.
2: Thank you so much, Beth. As a reminder, you can check out Beth Stelling's comedy special Girl Daddy on HBO Max and find her tour dates on BethSpelling.com.
3: And again, thank you, Kathy Torres. You can follow Frontera Fund at La Frontera Fund on Twitter and on Insta at Frontera Fund, RGV. Oh,
1: my God. That's our show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, FBK Live is edited by Remy Dutourne and is produced by Abortion Access Front. Subscribe, write a review, give us five stars, all the things everybody tells you. But seriously, it's the best way our podcast can reach more people. And by doing so, you are being an activist. You are helping more people learn about this assault on reproductive access. And if you want to keep up on all the latest reproduced between pods, follow us on social at Abortion Front, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube.
2: And email us at podcast at aafront.org. We want to hear from you. If we read your email on air, we will send you a shirt.
3: Activism (laughs) alert! Save the date, July 17th, for Operation Save Abortion. As we are about to enter a post poster America, we want people to learn all the ways they can activate. Operation Save Abortion, it's not a march, it's your training day. Sign up for email alerts on our website, aafront.org, to be notified when registration goes live. And while you're there, drop some cool merch. And next week
2: is a great show with guests Aaron Smith, Executive Director of Kentucky Health Justice Network, who will fill us in on the disgusting new abortion ban in Kentucky and their work supporting abortion patients financially and logistically. And from next, Flix, HBO, and Amazon, actor, writer, and comedian D'Lo joins us to talk about remounting his solo show, To Tea or Not to Tea, which explores his relationship with testosterone during his transition. The journey is hilarious and touching, and, so, and it's, it's so exciting to have him.
1: And lastly, to support this pod and all of our activism at Abortion Access Front, drop a few tax-deductible coins in our coffers at aafront.org donate. Where
3: can people find you, kids? Moji? I am at Moji Locks uh, on all of the socials, including TikTok. uh, And that's where I'm found. Marie, where can people find you? They can find me personally on
2: Twitter at MCONJ. Or they can look up Midwest Access Coalition at MidwestAccessCoalition.org and learn about supporting practical support, abortion
1: seekers in the Midwest. You can donate through our website. Dump them some cash.
3: We love it. Thanks, guys. Moj, take us home. Um, finally, we leave you with a woman who shows her whole ass so powerfully, it could also run the power grid for the city of Baltimore. See y'all next week.
0: Bio waste Company from which we intercepted these children's bodies is Curtis Bay Energy. Remember that name, Curtis Bay Energy. Curtis Bay Energy states on their website that they burn biomedical waste to sustain the energy needs of the Baltimore area.
1: This means tragically that they receive, transfer, and
0: burn the corpses of aborted babies to make electricity for the households and businesses of the Baltimore
2: area.
1: Feminist Buzz Kills Live, the podcast from Abortion Access Front. When BS is popping, we pop off. New episodes drop Friday. Listen,
0: subscribe, give us five stars.